I'm Jake Hyde, and this is Dragonheart. Well, welcome to Dragonheart. I am joined by Mark Griffiths. It's been a very dramatic week in the Wrexham world, doesn't it, Mark? But an amazing one. Oh, just a bit. I mean, of course, the big news is that the Red Baron nickname that I've been trying to get to catch on since I mentioned it on Dragonheart for Aaron Hayden, seems like it is actually catching on. Humphrey Carr used it in his leader column, so I reckon I might have invented a nickname for a Wrexham player. I'm more excited about this than you could imagine. And apparently there's been some football matches too, but I'm, I'm not sure about that. That's none of my business. <laughs> well, we will, we will touch on the Red Baron, as <laughs> always, but we've got the Wheelstone match, and I'm going to talk about my experience as a fan. The anxieties going up there, looking at the weather, weather changing as we were driving down to London. Um, got the Chessfield match. We got a few of the epic weather games that Mark had a chat with on Twitter last week. And um, a few of her bits and bobs were and related, as usual, all that good stuff. So, yeah, this is Dragonheart. I'm Liam McClendon and this is Dragonheart. Wheelston, the first game that we're going to chat about today, Mark, it was sensational, but completely in a different way to what Chesterfield was. Um, yeah, it was a real tough, gritty game on hard conditions, but we got there in the end, didn't we? Well, I believe that's true of your journey there as well, isn't it? <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I... I I was delighted with it. Now, I know I'm, those people who listened on the Wrexham player commentary will know I got very excited. Um, and I make no apology for it. But I, I got to be honest, part of the reason I was excited is, is I felt I could see it coming. I, I thought we were excellent. You know, I mean, I, I thought our performance for the whole 90 was superb. There was a small spell at the start of the second half where they managed to get at us. And that was it. Their penalty came absolutely out of the blue. And I was delighted of our performance. My only concern was that we hadn't put them to bed. Um, we should have been ahead well before that penalty. Um, but but we we were so dominant that I did feel that a reward was coming. You know, we, we were opening them up all the time. We were making chances. Our quality of approach play was really, really good. And I, 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 it was one of those odd games where you're losing 1-0 with two minutes left. But I was still thinking, we could win this. And funnily enough, that's how it turned out. And credit to their goalkeeper. He had an excellent game, didn't he? He, he made some real solid saves. They're, they're a stubborn team to come across Wheelston. They, they, they were a tough opposition. Uh, the conditions weren't great either being there. I know, it, you, know you were commentating, but the pitch wasn't uh, obviously in peak condition, but it was in good, it was good enough condition to play, but it was horrible weather. I thought as soon as that penalty stat um, happened, we had a clearance off the line, didn't we, previous yeah. for, for that, and we've hit the post, and we were huffing and puffing throughout the whole game, really, weren't we? And I, I knew as soon as we conceded that penalty, which was a bit dubious, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I thought, yeah, we're going to lose this 1-0, but I do back this team to the end. I think we're up. We're, if we are only one down or if it's nil-nil, we are always in it with the quality we have. Yeah, I 
uh, we've got firepower, and remember Mullen's coming back now as well, but we have got enough yeah. firepower, we've got enough creativity, Jarvis was floating around and making space for Davis and Young, those two got to some fabulous positions, the wing-backs were really high up the pitch as well, we know that McFadden's got good delivery from wide areas, so, you know, we had a lot of, of creativity, we had a lot of threat, it was just a case of actually getting on the end of something, finishing it off. Um, I I wondered whether the fact that we played so well but had problems actually really manufacturing clear chances in a way could have been because by using Jarvis to create space like that, we were leaving Palmer a little bit isolated. There wasn't much to, for him to combine with. But it did lead to a really fluent performance. You know, essentially a midfield diamond, moving the ball around really well, dominating play. And, and I, I guess maybe that's another reason why I felt quite calm, thinking, OK, hopefully we can get the points here. But this is a continuation of the quality of the Boreham Wood performance. This does feel like we're continuing to look more coherent since we brought the new players in in January. And, and I felt encouraged on that basis as well. But OK, I am rather relieved that we got two goals at the end. It must have felt quite oh. fun in the away end, that. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, oh. And that was an away end to remember that was. It was just like a big piece of scaffolding. Um, but it, it was it was why I love going to these non-league grounds and seeing these really unique stadiums and clubs. Uh, but yeah, it was packed full of Wrexham fans, whether they've seen that many away fans before, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it was very, I think up until... The 85th, when we got the free kick, it was getting, it was very anxious. You could feel the anxiety in the crowd, really. And you could see a lot of fans getting frustrated. And when that first goal went in, it was, it was excellent. And there are a lot of complaints from some Wilson fans saying it never should have counted. Is this true? Yes, that is true. That, that goal should not have counted. Um, the, the, the rules on free kicks are the same as penalties. You can't kick it to yourself. So if the ball comes back, off the post, it's got to touch somebody else first. I've got to be honest, at the time, I was too busy going nuts to even think about that. And it was only later on uh, when I saw on Twitter somebody asking the question that I thought, hold on a sec. So I double-checked it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Referee got the rules wrong. I can say there was even now with National League refs after the whole Manny Smith getting sent off when the rules that said he shouldn't have been sent off at Maidstone and then Mark Carrington also getting sent off for telling the ref the rules don't say that anymore. So I consider us even now. Referees not knowing the rules have helped us and hindered us now. So I feel quite pleased about that. But yeah, it, it is well, quite surprising well, the ref didn't, re- didn't spot that. Maybe he didn't realise that it was Jordan yeah. who took the free kick. Do you see what I mean? He didn't, just didn't think it was the yeah. same player. Yeah, and it was, it was a lot. There was a lot. There's a lot going on, on the pitch, you know. You can't bat a referee to making stuff like that. It's not like it was an awful challenge and someone's got hurt and there's on. You know, you know what I mean. It, these things happen. If but if VAR was involved, then it wouldn't have been a goal, would it? Um, you trust VAR? Unfortunately for us. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is true. Well, well that's worse. If it was Man United, it, yeah. If it was Man United, it'd probably be a goal. Yeah, uh, yeah. but. <laughs> Well, I'm going to stick but, up yeah. for the refs. When we get to the um, Chesterfield game, don't you worry, I'm going to do a rare sticking up for the refs section because I thought that ref, oh. having looked back at the footage, 
uh, got a lot of tight calls right. So don't you worry. Oh. I'll be, I'll be, I'm, I'm a, in a pro ref mood today. But that shouldn't, oh, have, that's... Yeah, shouldn't have counted the, the, our Jordan Davis's goal, but it was a beauty, wasn't it? It was a beauty. And then when, that, when it went in, there was a real good atmosphere in that away end and it started getting bouncing. And then, wow, the Resort Johnson goal... <laughs> the atmosphere in that away end was something else. I, and I mean, I, you know, I had a couple couple of pints before the game, but I remember just everyone's running to the front and I've fallen over, I smashed my shoulder on on some sort of scaffolding pole, three uh, people falling on top of me and there was people just running around like, like, like it was infants kids in, um, <laughs> for their dinner break. It was just, it was absolutely mental. Um, yeah, crazy scenes in the away end and a three points that we deserved as well. Absolutely. And I, I mean, of course, the note that Bill was with you and he's not able to co-host today. Not, not you know, it's not because, you know, he's a bit too roughed up, was he? And, and that's a sort of take it with player's medical card. So I've, I've heard talk of a front flip by Bill when we scored that winning goal. <laughs> yeah, he- well, he's he's um I think the Wilson celebrations has really hit him hard. So he's gonna have he's on a medical suspension for a week. Yeah. yeah. Uh but <laughs> but yeah, it's it was a truly great away day. A fantastic club as well, um, I must add. And I've gotta say I've been not been really I've been not been as impressed by the communication of their club. It was Oh, no, sorry, I rephrase that. I've been, I was really, really impressed by Wheelston, the how they were communicating with us as fans before the game, because you know there was a big storm this weekend, and it was very touch and go whether the game would actually be on. Mm. And the fact that they were always communicating with us on Twitter um, was just excellent. They didn't have to do that, um, but yeah, the commun- I'm assuming the communication between Wheelston and Wrexham was very good, from so I've heard. That's right. Um, I, 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 Wheelston deserve a lot of credit, I think, for the way they've handled this. Because remember, they had a game in midweek that was called off because of the pitch. So you had the storm and the fact that the pitch might not be right. Um, and they were very good with Wrexham as a club, constantly letting us know we think the pitch is fine. We don't, you know, say, there's no pitch inspection planned. You know, they gave a definitive message on that on the, early on the Saturday morning to say the pitch is definitely fine. It's, it's only whether, you know, the storm affects travel and things like that that would stop it. Um, and I just got to say that, you know, to be fair, you could turn around and say, well, clubs ought to be doing that. I, I accept that. That's just the, the basic minimum. Uh, sadly, clubs don't. And there's two reasons for that. One is at our level, often clubs are a bit undermanned. And so again, well done to Wheelston because you know they're not a big club, but they made sure that they treated us right. So, you know, that's a club with dignity as far as I'm concerned. And also sometimes you don't get that with clubs because the people at the clubs, quite frankly, don't care about anything about them but themselves. And unfortunately, we come across a lot of clubs like that in the National League. And I can tell you, I'm I'm not going to name names, but I can tell you that there are some clubs that Wrexham Football Club know will probably not even communicate with them in the lead up to a Wrexham away game. 
or if they will, it'll be the bare minimum and it'll be on their terms. They won't be answering our calls. Uh, you know, some clubs are like that. Some clubs just don't pick up the phone from Saturday to Saturday. Um, and to be frank, I think I've, I've told this story before. It's not just in the National League. Milton Keynes dons calling off a game really late where the, the team, um, that, there was actually Wrexham staff in the stadium setting things up and the game was off. And nobody told us. The team is having a meal in a hotel down the road. <laughs> um, Boston called a game off really late. And essentially, when everyone arrived at Boston, said, oh, that was never going to be on. Well, thanks. So some clubs, I'm afraid, don't handle themselves well. So although I, I you know, there's part of me says, well, you know, surely the, the least you expect is that is what Wheelston did. The fact is that, no, you can't assume that. And, and hats off to Wheelston, well done. Not a massively staffed club, but they do things right. And, and that's what I've heard about them before anyway. They're a proper class act, so good luck to them. I'm glad they're going to stay up this year, and I hope next year they can they can build on more. They've done well this year, I think. Well, yeah, and, and I think the programme needs to be have a shout-out as well, as it had CPD Wrexham as well, um, <laughs> all spelt in Welsh, um, which I thought was a lovely touch, considering, you know, a lot of... And I'm not just saying this, but I'm going to say this carefully, but there's a lot of English media, shall we say, who make jokes of the Welsh language and, mm. you know, belittle it. And it's really nice to see a club, you know, in their own little way, embrace it. And um, yeah. And I've also got to say the, the pit pubs and the people around that area. I've, I, I've been to London quite a few times to football and for other, other events, and I've never really enjoyed it. But going to Wealdstone was the, my best experience of London. The people were really hospitable, really friendly towards Wrexham fans. Um, I also have to say a shout out to the stewards and the, the door staff they had, like the bouncing staff they had, who when Wrexham fans were getting a bit excited, I'm not condoning it, and getting on the pitch and we scored and stuff, weren't too heavy-handed. They, were, they treated us with respect. And there was Wrexham fans who were shaking their hands and they were saying, well done, lads, thanks for for coming to see us sort of thing and it was really nice really warm really welcoming club and if we don't go up this year I'll certainly be going there again because I really enjoyed my time there so yeah cracking little club Wheelston what would we expect should we expect anything otherwise from the Glen Little Derby <laughs> he went there didn't he after oh. he us so you know I mean, of you course can't. you know if you share Glen Little you've got to have a positive view of life as far as I'm concerned. Uh, well, I didn't know that, but yeah, 100%. The Glen Little Derby is a fantastic little game and um, good luck to Wheelson for the rest of the season because they give us two tough games this year. And I think if they carry on playing like that, even so next season, they won't have any problems staying up. I think so, as well. Yeah. I thought their manager expressed it very well before the game. Um Oh, oh, actually, I should have said as well, their previous match, of course, was a superb win at Barnes, and that's their local derby. Yeah. Uh, they played really, really well. And um, some of their fans misbehaved in a very unpleasant way, Wheelston. But let's be honest, they weren't fans. They were idiots in the Wheelston end. And the club, Wheelston, were very, very quick to call them out and to say, you know, we're about family atmosphere. We're about being inclusive. And we, we don't want these people at our grounds. So, again, a club that acts quickly because it knows what's right and what isn't, and that pleases me. 
And I, I've got to be frank and say that uh, I am particularly pleased to see them win their derby away from home 3-1 because Barnes are one of the difficult clubs. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Well done, Wheelstone. Thank you for doing that to us. But after that match, their manager, I thought, hit the nail on the head, essentially saying that in a sort of low-key way, Wheelstone have been really good. They haven't had any sort of big winning runs or massively eye-catching results, but they've consistently been solid. They've not had any losing runs either. They've just constantly been picking up points, which is, as you can see with us, I mean, but I could have won that match, obviously, even though we played very well. And at the race course, they drew an L, but they certainly didn't park the bus, did they? They, they were very well-organised, oh. good-passing team, and they just kept us at arm's length. And that was one of the more impressive away performances at the race course this season, I thought. So, no, I... I I've got an awful lot of time for Wheelston. Well done to them. Yeah, well done to them. So, another <laughs> Rex-related thing that we're going to talk about next is that potentially iconic away day, Chesterfield game. From the heart of your community, Wrexham's heartbeat, this is Callon FM. Chesterfield away, um, under the lights, was always going to be a huge game. It's not too far away, is it, Chesterfield as well? Um, they're second in the league. They've got a fantastic side. Um, what a result, Mark. 2-0 away from home. Fantastic, wasn't it? Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. What a win. Um, I, I was hopeful beforehand because I'd seen Chesterfield's game against Solihull. They lost 3-2. They're a player sent off early on, but there's no that was no excuse for the way they threw away a 2-0 lead. They were horrible. Could have let in so many more. And I was really optimistic. And then the first half hour shook me <laughs> a bit because, let's be honest, if it wasn't for Rob Lainton, we'd have been, we'd have really suffered, wouldn't we? He was brilliant, Lainton. One-on-one saves, acrobatic saves. Everything. And if it hadn't been for him, that game would have gone away from us very quickly, I think, wouldn't it, Jay? Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. He was, for me, I had a word with my brother after the game. We, we both said our man of the matches. Um, I, I said Rob Lington. I think without those amazing saves at the start of the game and the one-on-ones and the bravery as well, he almost got injured through one of them, didn't he? Um yeah, it was some. It was just an excellent performance by him. And when you have a goalkeeper who's keeping you in the game, yeah, they don't get all the praises all the time the goalkeeper does. But really, it's just important to have a goalkeeper of that quality if you want to get promoted. Uh, he really did win us the game yesterday. I was saying in the commentary yesterday that um, when Dennis Smith was manager, he'd do press conferences and <laughs> I like Dennis Smith a lot. He was often a bit contrary would say the exact opposite of what you expected. And I remember sometimes, I don't know if he was also trying to keep his feet on the ground, but I remember Christian Rogers had a really good game in goal for Wrexham. Was it Rogers or maybe it wasn't? Maybe it was Mike Ingham. And when Smith was asked about that, he basically said, well, that's what he's paid for, isn't it? You know, next question sort of thing. Because, you know, I, I, pick, I, I pick a goalkeeper so he can make those saves. And there's an element of truth in it, but it's like you said, it, you need that player that you can fall back on. So we've been, you know, teams haven't been creating many chances against us lately, but Chesterfield opened us up massively. And it was when we needed Lainton and he, he showed up for us, didn't he? He was absolutely terrific. Like you said, he was brave as well. And I can't help wondering if that injury stoppage was the turning point in the game. 
because if you remember it, well, firstly, it was Chesterfield's best chance. And uh, Asante is one-on-one with Leinton. And Leinton, as we all know, is great strength. He's so quick, isn't he? He was off his line like anything. As, as Colin Henrys, who was commentating with me, rightly said, after that penalty last Saturday, you know, there, there could have been doubts in his head. But no, he clear, clear-minded goalkeeper, knows his strengths. He came herring out so quickly and made the block. And then while he's getting treated, I mean, the problem for... From my perspective, the problem in the opening 25 minutes was Chesterfield pulled a tactical stroke by completely changing their formation, and we didn't adapt to it at all. I was quite gratified afterwards hearing Parkinson say the same thing, because I think he he read it the way I did. We were caught out by the way they played. They had players popping up between midfield, our midfield and defence that we didn't expect, and we struggled to control them and had lots of space in that part of the pitch. So while Lainton's getting treated, Parkinson had the whole team over with him and he reorganised and we matched him up. We went to a box midfield and from that point onwards, Chesterfield didn't make many chances. We got a grip on the middle of the pitch and and for the rest of the half, we kept him at arm's length and then in the second half, we completely dominated them. And hats off to Parkinson, who some people call tactically inflexible. Um, because that was him shifting our shape decisively and changing the match. But at that, that moment then, Leighton kept us at 0-0 and then Parkinson switched it around. And from that point on, we were massively dominant and for an hour with a better side. It was, it was brilliant to watch. Oh, yeah. And to be fair, first half, we didn't really create anything, did we? Clear cut. Um, there was one point where we crossed the ball in I think, wasn't it flicked over to Aaron Hage and it sort of landed at a weak, weak side-footed volley. And that was probably our, one of our clearest chances in the first half. But going into the second half, I, I was kind of thinking, yeah, it's nil-nil. They've thrown their best at us and we've not conceded. It was, it was, an, ex, it was an excellent defensive display first half and I didn't, wasn't really worried at all. Um, yes, Leighton had to make some great saves, but I, f- I think the way we sort of did like a rope and dope sort of, you know, boxing style sort of performance where, yeah, Chesterfield threw everything they could at us first half. Going into that uh, dressing room after the first half, you'd be thinking, what can we do to score against these? And you could see evidently that their heads went down second half, didn't it? Didn't they, Mark? Uh, yeah, but I think it, I, the difference between that and Roper Dope is that Ali meant to do that. Well, yeah. well, well, as Ali tells it, after the first minute, he decided to do that. So maybe it is like Roper Dope, but we had half an hour to suffer, and Ali had a minute where he goes out against George Foreman, yeah, intending to get on the front foot. Foreman hurts him in the first minute, and Ali thinks. If I try and go toe-to-toe with him, I'll get hurt and I'll lose. So he decides to to sit back, absorb the pressure and then strike. Um, there's that wonderful moment uh, in the documentary When We Were Kings, which won the Oscar, about that fight, where Foreman, it's brilliant to listen to. It, 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 I've seen it a million times, but I still the hair stands up on the back of my neck where Foreman said, you know, he was unbeaten. He... he he considered himself unbeatable as well, and he tended to make short work of all the good contenders. He he battered Joe Frazier, and he said, you know, he just because Ali was just drawing him in, 
Frazier hit him with everything he had and Ali was still there. And he said just before Ali went on the attack, Ali leaned in and whispered into George Foreman's ear, is that all you've got, George? And Foreman said, I'm getting it. I'm getting the goose pimples now, just telling you about it. Foreman in this documentary said, when he said that to me, I thought, yeah, yeah, it is. And he knew he was in real trouble. I love the thought of Phil Parkinson after half an hour just leading up to Paul Cook and just saying, is that all you've got, Paul? Is that all you've got? But I but I, I think it was, um, yeah, we we didn't want to suffer like that. It was because Chesterfield got their tactics right and they outmaneuvered us and they, they ought to have punished us, but Leighton did his job really well. I think you're right about the defence. I think the back three were excellent, even when we were under pressure. The problem was there was so much space in front of them. They were getting extra players in, in those areas that they could get shots off or you know try and draw a centre-back out and play the ball in behind. Um, but once we altered it, we were Ali <laughs> on the attack. We were really, you know, got at them. You say about those Hayden chances, I've got to say he had, he had two chances in the first half. And they were both very good chances. He he was clearly very disappointed of himself. I mean, the volley, he's one-on-one with the keeper. You know, I, I you know, yeah. disappointing that he didn't finish that. And then he had a header from a corner. Was it a corner of throwing? No, I think it was a corner, wasn't it? At the far post. It's a free header, six yards out, and he's not he's he's coming on it and he's essentially just headed the way he's running rather than put it back towards goal. There were two hell it, it, those two and Asante's one-on-one are the three best chances of the half, even though they dominated us. And, and I felt as well they were a bit of a harbinger for what was to come because I thought Chesterfield's defending of set pieces was appalling. And then yeah. the second part yeah. of the, the managerial tactical battle, if you will, Chesterfield were really obviously trying to keep a, a, a very high line from set pieces, which, let's be honest, I guess is partly to compensate for the fact that they can't defend set pieces. If you lose a header from a set piece, but it's 25 yards out, hopefully it's not going to drop anywhere dangerous. Um, but they were too high. And the chance that we got, which one was it? Oh, the sitter that Palmer missed came about because yeah. the line was too high and Hayden could just nod it down to him and he should have scored. Yeah. Um, and then after that was the whole Johnson penalty shout, which came from a set piece, which they didn't defend all that well. And then came our first goal. And that was all in the space of four minutes, that. Um, because the, I, I, I'm just before the goal from the set piece that I came from, uh, the captain Grimes, who was very sh- centre back, but very shaky in the air, it, it was really animated trying to get them higher and higher and higher at the band. They were already 25 yards out. The free kicks on, you know, sort of 10 yards into their half. And I was like, suicide, let's drop it in behind them and, and, you know, win something. But he was desperate to do that. And then we punished him. And it, I, I, well, I mean, Paul Cook's an experienced manager and he's a very good manager um, but I was really surprised that neither he nor a leader on the pitch said hang on every time Wrexham get a free kick on the halfway line they make a chance to score maybe we should you know maybe we're defending this wrong because it was it was like shooting fish in a barrel making chances from set pieces against them yeah the, that that was the point I got from the first half was yeah, that's the blueprint to beat this team is whip the ball into Hayden because it looks like they panic every time. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened, didn't it? And we did have that Ollie Palmer sitter, which he missed, which is which was such a shame. 
And yeah, and I completely forgot out of my head. We had the penalty shout, and yeah. looking back at it, for me, th- th- that was a penalty. Time for me to do my hero of referees acts now. <laughs> okay. I've, I've been it. looked at it a few times. I think the ref did well with that one. Um, a whole Johnson's, I think it was hurt. He's going to land on his shoulder, but I think Loach did get to the ball first. And then Johnson's run through his legs, arms, not deliberately. And I'm quite sure, you know, I mean, it looked touch and go, but having watched it a few times, I think that's a good piece of goalkeeping, to be fair. I would not say that was true of Loach throughout the match, but that was a good piece of goalkeeping. Um, however, do you remember early on in the second half, before that, Bryce Susanna went down off the ball in the box and he was adamant it was a penalty? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's right. And again, I'm going to stick up for the ref. The ref missed it, but it was off the ball. I don't blame the ref for missing it. And the linesman was on the opposite side, so the linesman couldn't help him. But I, I, I mean, it was astonishing. Susanna had come down the left-hand side and played it back. And when it was fed back into the box by, I think, McElinden, Hosanna went sprinting past Tyrone Williams and Williams just stuck his foot out and kicked him. I mean, it was, he, was, he, was about, he was about a foot outside him. I thought Williams surely could have just stepped across and had a little accidental-looking collision. And I don't think any ref would have given that, you know? But he didn't. He just, he just stuck his foot out and kicked him. Definite penalty if the ref saw it. But like I say again, I'm sticking up for the ref here. It was off the ball. I didn't see it at the time. The ref surely is following the ball, so he hasn't got any right to see it. And like I said, the linesman's on the wrong side to help out. So I don't blame the officials at all for missing it. But having looked at it again on the footage, definite 100% penalty. He kicked him. He just, he just stuck his foot out and kicked him. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was a really stupid thing to do. I mean, you could even, I'm not saying this, I wouldn't agree with this, but you could even advocate it's a red card. I mean, it's it's worse than what Beckham did to Simeone in the 98 World Cup, you know? He's kicked him off the ball. Well, Island conduct. Yeah. It's definitely a penalty. <laughs> you can't. Question. He kicked, he, he's getting the thumb. Stupid. So, but... We should have had the penalty at some point. Uh, looking at real time, I did think the Rizal Johnson one was a penalty. I did at the time. Um, yeah, yeah. So we, I've seen, I've seen penalties a lot um, worse than that. If you know what I mean, worse decisions yeah. than that before. Uh, but anyway, the first goal came in, and it was a scrappy one, wasn't it? But well, it was well worked in some ways. It was it was the ball. I was getting confused between that first one and the second one. It was it came off a Jordan Davis shot, didn't it? That's right. Was yeah. that saved? Was that yeah. saved? Yeah. It was a hell of a hell of a save, wasn't it? To be fair. Save, yeah. I mean, yeah. they failed to deal with and, that piece again, didn't they? I mean, it yeah. came in Jordan, just like at Wealdstone, absolutely nailed yeah. a close range volley, and again, just like at Wealdstone, goalkeeper makes the save of the season to keep him out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then. Uh, it land to Max Clareworth, who flicked it on to Palmer, from my yeah. memory. Yeah, that's and, right. Um, in the interview afterwards, Palmer was full of praise for Clareworth. You know, and, and it was quite interesting to listen to him. He was saying, it just shows the quality of player we got here. Clareworth is a young lad, jumping in the six-yard box, but he doesn't try and score because he's, he's able to think, if I knock it square, Palmer's bound to, to score. And it was a nice, you know, it, like you said, it, it's scrappy in the sense that, you know, but well, both goals are a bit of a mess in some ways. They're not pretty, 
But the mess is all on Chesterfield's part for being opened up like that. You know, they've they've allowed Davis to get unmarked into the six-yard box, keep a dip bails them out, but then they've allowed Clevers to win the second ball in the goal mouth, and then they've left Palmer on his own as well. Uh, you know, I mean, that's three opportunities to stop the, the attack where they've given us a great chance and, and we've punished them. Um, it was just... Uh, yeah, it was great stuff, though, by Cleworth. I, I believe that some uh, Chesterfield fans have been trying to complain that Cleworth climbed on his man. I mean, no, no chance. But it was a good header. You know, I mean, I, I was very impressed with Cleworth. You know, it's not wonderful that he's developed. So we, we all season we've been going on about him, saying that we rate him. But yeah. you were the one who said if he's good enough for the, the league, he should be playing. And he's proven it. He's oh. wonderful. He stepped up like this, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I think I, I had a feeling that like Chesterfield were trying to target him as well mm. at the first half with um, Joe. Is it Joe Quigley? Yeah. Was it? Quigley, he plays yeah. for him. Yeah. He, he was putting, they were putting Max Cleworth under a horrendous amount of um, pressure. But again, he deals with it again in a big atmosphere, in a big game away from home where we need a game like this to kick on for the rest of the season. And hearing, Palmer saying the quality that he has and, you know, Parkinson obviously rates him because, you know, we've got other centre-halves who are on the bench or in the squad and he's picking a young lad over him. Yeah, he, he's really going to be one to watch for the future, isn't he? Absolutely. And then, of course, for the last 20-odd minutes, they trundled, they trundled on old Truckosaurus, didn't they? Tom Denton, a massive, massive target yeah. man. I think it's only his second appearance of the season, and the Chesterfield fans were delighted to see him. Um, and yeah, he dominated Cleworth in the air, he targeted Cleworth. But the fact of the matter is that again, Cleworth and the rest of the defense didn't panic about it. I was really impressed once it had gone to 2 0. Although we can't skip that second goal, but just to say this for a moment, our shape I thought was superb when it was 2 0. Um, we kept a high line, which meant that when if Denton was good, Denton was going to be any centre-back in the air consistently because he's huge. And there's no shame in Cleworth that Denton was winning those headers. But Cleworth and the rest of the fence made sure that he was winning them 25 yards out because there was no harm in it. And he wasn't going to drop in the goal mouth. Um, and then our midfield, because we kept that high line and because the forwards dropped off a little bit and let Chesterfield come to the halfway line, it meant that, yeah, OK, you can come this far. But then you've got the whole Wrexham team well-organised with good shape and you've got to try and play your way through that. You know, and in, in, in the space of about 25 yards, you've got to pass your way through the whole lot of us. You stick it over the top, Hayden's quicker than you, and Hall Johnson and Hosanna are quicker than you and Cloweth, and they'll they'll recover. And it was a, you know, it was a really compact unit, and the only chance they made up after it was 2-0 was in injury time when Toza cleared the corner off the line, but... Yeah, it was it was brilliant. But I skipped the second goal, haven't I? Which was hysterical. You you enjoyed that one, didn't you? Oh yeah, my favorite goal of the season. It was just all over the place, wasn't it? Palm of guard, I'm going to call it because that was definitely a handball. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it was like a rugby try, wasn't it? He sort of like <laughs> swooped it and then toe pegged it, and then the Chesterfield players were quite clearly angry because if you look at the footage. It was a clear handball, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I would also argue, and this is also from my lad and his mates who were in the away end, and I had, I had a sort of reverse view. Uh, the ball comes in, and Hayden's first header 
is blocked on the line by Tom Whelan with his hand, I would say. So I think it, it should have been a handball penalty to us and a red card for Whelan. It drops down, Hayden hits her again. And yeah, it sort of looks to me like Palmer, as he's trying to pivot, the ball actually gets stuck between his body and his hand <laughs> and then drops down yeah. and smash it in. So I can see why they're not happy with that. But you watch that footage again and you'll see that when all the Chesterfield players are going nuts, Whelan doesn't much. He, he puts his hand up to complain, but he doesn't really join in the complaints because surely in the back of his head, he's thinking, maybe the ref saw me handle it on the line, but then before he could blow the whistle, give the penalty and send me off, he saw Palmer score and just thought, well, you know, I'll just, everyone's happy if I leave it as a goal because otherwise Chesterfield end up being 2-0 down with 10 men. So I'll just yeah. give a goal. Um and so maybe that's why Whelan didn't complain quite so much. He was thinking, I don't particularly want to get myself suspended. <laughs> start of his second spell back at the club. His first start of that second spell. I don't really want to get myself suspended now. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think that was a justice is done decision. But it was funny, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Isn't he ex-Eastley? Yeah, that's right. He played very well against us right at the start of the season. Yeah, a cracking player, really good. Yeah. Play. I thought he played okay last night as well. To be fair, a really good energetic yeah. midfielder. Well, I thought he, uh, was yeah, their, over the ninety. I thought he was their best yeah. player. Um, because I thought so too. Asante started well, but the service dried up to him a bit. And then the other player. I mean, I am a big fan of Liam Mandeville, their attacking midfielder. He plays behind the front too, and he's a class act. And in the first twenty-five minutes. He was really hurting us. I thought he was magnificent. And after we changed our shape, he completely disappeared to the extent that they subbed him. And I think that, that just said everything about our performance. That their, their star man in the first 25 minutes looked sensational. Just disappeared once we took control. He couldn't do a thing to help his team. Uh, and that's a huge uh, compliment to Wrexham and to Parkinson for spotting the threat and nullifying it. Yeah, it's <laughs> It was just one of those excellent away days, wasn't it? That had everything under the lights, amazing away support and amazing home support as well, in all fairness. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of them, uh, in all fairness. It yeah, was 5,000. Uh, yeah, I remember crowds of 5,000 would be excited. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm would sorry. you class that as a big crowd game? I'm not forgiving them for 1997. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, yeah. nah, nah, I'll give I'll give them nothing. Plus the whole Adi Yusuf thing. <laughs> oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um... <laughs> with hindsight, maybe you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, we shouldn't have cared that much. But it was a special away day, and the the scenes in the away end were oh, something else. And yeah. these two. Six points, you know, the Wilson game was a nitty-gritty game and the hard conditions in a tough stadium. You know, the pitch was a bit crazy. To go 1-0 down, to score two last-minute goals, then to go to Chesterfield, a team that have been excellent all season. May have been a different game if they had Shamanga, but it may have been a different game if we had Mullin. Um, uh, they've been brilliant all season. Then to get a two 0 away uh, win from away from home, maybe is this the catalyst to start our season off now? That's also. Um, although I, I I feel it's been brewing for a while. I mean, I know I I, I said something similar last week. I, I know, but you know, on the sly, 
we've we've already got our season going. Uh, you, you look at the, the stats when we've won three in a row now. Before that was the Maiden Ed Torquay games. Before that, we won three in a row. Before that was Notts County match. Before that, we won four in a row. Then was the Oval loss. Before that, we won two in a row. You know what I mean? We, and then the Wheelstone draw before that, we had the 5 0 and the 6 2 away from home. So, I mean, I'd argue that really since November, we've been, we've been on it. Uh, it's exciting yeah. that, you know, like you're quite right, these back to back wins going with the Bourne Wood one as well. They do feel good and they do coincide with the three new players coming in and you feel they're just going to, you know, they'll set just settle in more. We, we saw quite a lot of what Tom O'Connor's about yesterday, but we still I don't think have seen everything of him. But and I, I'm 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 feeling pretty good about this, to be honest with you. Uh, everyone everyone sort of wonders when we're gonna start really clicking. Well, well you know, again, if you allow me to do a bit of on the spot maths. One, two, three, four, five, six, ten. We've won ten of our last thirteen games. That's promotion form for me. So, um, well, it's promotion form, but we are still sitting at fifth. True. Um, we're nine points behind um, Stockport of a game in hand, uh, but we do have Aldershot and Kings Lynn as our next two games. Uh, You've well, got to be looking at them two games and thinking that's six points right there, haven't you? Well, we've got to make sure they are. It would be a huge yeah. shame, wouldn't it, to be digging in and getting these fabulous away results and then end up with the home games against load of teams and not adv- take advantage of them. But, uh, I mean, t- to put this another way, if you're looking at the rest of the season, I've, 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 I'm standing by this and said it consistently uh, throughout any team from around this point of the season who hits the good form will be fine. There's pl- there's plenty of time to go. And if we are able to maintain a winning momentum, I-, I think we win the league. Because you're right, Stockport are nine points ahead of us, but they've got to maintain their rhythm. Can they keep it going? We've got a game in the hand and they've still got to come to ours. So those nine points, you know, we it's within our hands to whittle it down substantially. And then when you look at our remaining matches, we've got 16 games left. 11 of them at home. The hell of a lopsided is we've, we've played the least home games in the division and we've played the most away games in the division. So, <clears throat> you know, I know we have problems at home, but part of the reason we've got many fewer points at home is because we played so many fewer games at home. You know, so looking at the league table, bottom of the table's Dover. They haven't come to the race course yet. Second to bottom, Kings Lynn. They haven't come to the race course yet. Third from bottom is Weymouth. Okay, we played them. Fourth from bottom, Altrincham. They haven't come to the race course yet. Fifth from bottom, Maidenhead. Oh, don't talk about that. Um, then, then Wealdstone. Okay, so they nick points off us. But then all the shots are coming up on Saturday. Then Barnet. These, you know, so that's what six of the bottom nine who haven't been to the race course yet. So we've got a, these are crucial matches. I know everyone's to look at games against promotion rivals and think. They're crucial matches, but let's be honest, if we put away all the teams we should put away at home, then we should be in a better position than we are now. And I like the position we're in now, to be honest. Yeah, I, I like the, the position we're in now. However, if we look at you know the Wheelston home game, the Torquay home game, uh, yeah. a couple of other games we've had this season, uh, Maidenhead at home, 
I think I personally think the last few games of the season we're really going to be kicking ourselves that we didn't take three points from these games because I really do think we would be, you know, if we did take more points from these silly games that we drew, we would be really, really on Stockport's tail now. And I don't think we're going to be quite there come the end of the season winning the title. But it's it's a good time to gather momentum to get into the playoffs. And we want we want that home tie because you get the one less game, don't you? Nope. Um in in the National League playoff system. So we want that one game and then get off to Wembley we go. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it might not be Wembley this year, but um, it could be wherever it is. <laughs> Let's go back at. Yeah. <laughs> nice place, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a lovely place. And it's the only place I've enjoyed in London. So, yeah. <laughs> I'd also say, you know, as I'm trying to make maths be our friend here, we're fifth in the table. In terms of points per game, we're fourth in the league. And the three teams above us have all yet to come to the race course. So I just I just like the idea that, you know, we, we spend heavily. We've got quality players in. I'm hoping that those difficult home matches that you rightly point out, well, once you've got the crossing quality of McFadden, when you've got Palmer, who wins headers, you've got Mullin developing a partnership with him, you've got O'Connor shoring up midfield and making us really solid so you can't get through the middle of us. I'd li- and also that gives you more rain for the wing-backs to get forwards. I'd like to think that if all that's clicking and we're already winning a lot of our games, I'd like to think that we're going to go into those matches having addressed those problems and in a position, hopefully, to, to have the tilt at top spot. Well, I'm being an last, That last home game against Stockport, let's hope there is something to play for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at that point, because I think that could be one of the biggest games in non-league history, couldn't it? Um, with the size of both clubs. So, yeah. So after this, we're going to talk a few wrecks and bits and bobs. This is Sean Brisley. This is Dragon Heart. Mark's been talking to, oh, interacting with a few fans on Twitter about bad weather, wrecks and games. Uh, one that really springs to my mind is the is the one we had last Saturday against Fieldston, <laughs> where it was really, really, really touch and go throughout the whole journey. And the further we went down south, the more windy and rainy it got. Um, so credit to them for having the game on. But let's have it, Mark. Let's see what other people have been saying. Well, you were quite right. I was going to refer to that tough tackling uh, area of depression, Storm Soonest. As I believe it should have been called. Um, <laughs> there are some good ones now. I've got. I've got to apologise first because I, ever since I saw this tweet and and, and this this good gentleman has, has has spoke to us in the past. I don't know. I'm going to mess your name up, Joe. Joe Liardet, Liarde. I'm not sure. Anyway, it's a good call. He says, by far the coldest he's been at a football match was a match 1996 March. Wrexham five, Bournemouth nil. I remember, I remember the game vaguely, but I don't remember how cold it must have been. He said the snow on the pitch that night made the West Ham game look like a Spanish holiday. It certainly, did. <laughs> it certainly didn't seem to affect Wrexham one five nil. Had to feel slightly sorry for the forty or so Bournemouth fans. Yeah, it's a lovely trek, isn't it? That to to come along and. Uh, 
you know, be freezing. I replied to Joe saying that's a nasty away trip for him. And he said it was a nasty enough journey home for the home fans that night. So I can't remember the snowiness of it at all, you know. But, oh, I mean, yeah, a football match in the cold. Maybe not so bad when you're playing, but, oh. Yeah, I still feel bitter when I see um, Bournemouth doing how well they are. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, are you the same as me that you get, in your mind, when you start watching football, you sort of without realizing you get a hierarchy of what clubs are. Yeah. To me, Wigan being above us is a joke. Wigan, Wigan are a non-league team as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, and, and Bournemouth were always a, a team that we tended to always beat at home and lose away to, and they were usually either the same league as a sort of league below. What the heck's going on? It's madness. Yeah. Well, we'll soon we'll soon be with them. I'm not worried about that. Lovely. <laughs> um, well, also, um, yeah, got celebrity responses here. Kizza, yeah, Kizza was saying, um, Ebu Vale in the Welsh Cup 1988-89 at the Eugene Cross Park. I assure you, I was not there. <laughs> it was so cold that the half-time rush into the clubhouse was to get a spot by the radiators, not a pint. <laughs> and then um, Spirit of 78, Said Fulham in the snow, night match, ridiculous. I think there was another comment about that one. Um, I'm sure there was, because that, that was one that stuck in my mind. We beat Fulham 2-0 in the snow. It was really quite heavy snow. And my my real memory, I can't find Oh, dear, I'm going to apologise here. There was another person talking about this, and, and for some reason I can't find your comment. Um I remember really clearly that he we scored a goal where Kieran Durkin hit a fantastic striker of a volley, hit a volley from the edge of the box. It hit the bar, and we and I think as Brian Hughes scored the rebound, but all the snow on the bar, it was beautiful, just came down in this lovely horizontal line as one just shot at the bar. When you watch it on the video. It's just, it's not the same. It doesn't look as great as it did in real life. Yeah. I sort of enjoyed the fact that the snow fell like that more than the fact that we scored off the rebound. <laughs> it's brilliant. And <laughs> um, John Devitt says we played Macclesfield 3-2 loss, really soaking wet game. Ben Sharif got caught out by the ball, just getting stuck in the water twice and just left it for them to score. That might mean nothing to do with the water, Jonna. Come on, remember Ben Sharif. Um, and then James Gray scored the most aesthetically pleasing volley and smashed all the water off the net on impact. I think that's two different seasons. Ben Sharif was the season after with the Gary Mills mad team. And that was his last game against Michael. We lost 3-0. And, and he, he, my recollection of that was that he, he just left the ball. He just left the ball for Luke Coddington. And it was never Coddington's ball. Uh, and Macclesfield scored. The 3-2 was the soaking wet one, like I said, with James Gray launching it and scoring. Uh, and then, of course, the old John follows up, rightly saying, um, then there was Macclesfield away in the snow, where a bit of my soul remains frozen to this very day. That was a cold day. That, I'm not sure that game should have taken place. Um, I, I, I tell you, in general, cold days at Macclesfield, a different game again, not that one. I remember going to Macclesfield and greeting us in the press box was a, fro- a dead rat who'd frozen to death. Poor fella. He was just, li- he was just lying there in- on the floor in the press box. So that's how cold Macclesfield is. 
Macclesfield and extreme weather. Do you remember the year we almost went down the Boston season and we played Macclesfield and they beat us? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was extremely hot that day, wasn't it? Yes, that's true. Yeah. What about extreme heat? Yeah. I was thinking more. I, I was thinking yeah. extreme heat as well because there was a lot of drunk people in the crowd that day and the game was awful. And it, it was a lot of Wrexham fans arguing each other probably because it was so hot as well. So I thought extreme heat would be a one that's come up, comes up as well, but maybe not. I remember um, the game at Ployest, our last game in Europe was boiling hot. Really, just a day where you feel you're going to get really burnt and there were no yeah. covers on the stands. Um, and I also remember a, a Welsh Cup final in the late 80s. We were, we were playing Swansea, but as I recall, I think it was actually at Swansea's ground. And they were a good team, and they battered us in the first half. And so Dixie was manager, and as a sort of punishment, uh, decided that he's... He, I don't think he let the players come in at half-time. He made them just warm up through half-time. And they were on their knees and boiling hot. They were on their knees by the start of the second half. And we were worse in the second half than the first. So uh, it didn't quite work, that little motivational trick, I think, that one. Um, John, old school, that. Very old school, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> John also says uh, he, he remembers a wet game where Blaine Hudson did the biggest slide tackle ever and made a trench on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> the which my dad and I call the Hudson Memorial Trench. I like that. I love. I love that. Chris Jones reckons possibly my favourite ever Wrexham game, which is Colchester when we were battling for survival in the fourth division. Hundred percent agree. Eighty nine, ninety. Is that the crazy kit season? That's right. We had the crazy kit. Yes. Yeah. As he said, if Colchester won, we were as good as relegated, which is correct because there were, weren't that many games left and Colchester had been miles ahead of us, but we'd, we'd found a little run of form. And as he says, quite rightly, if memory, memory serves me right, they went ahead. The weather changed dramatically for the worse and we came back to win. We found out God was a Wrexham fan that day. I'm so glad he finished with that comment because that's exactly how I've always seen it. <laughs> Something up there happened. We were losing... We equalised straight away from the kickoff. We gave them a stupid goal mix-up between Nigel Beaumont and Vince O'Keefe in goal. And you think, oh, you know, we battled to get back into a must-win game and then handed them a lead again. And then just suddenly, well, as Angus the Sheepdog, because he says the same thing. Colchester at home when Gary Worthington scored. I think we needed to win to stay up. Well, you know, pretty much. It was a sunny day. Colchester were winning. And then this black cloud came from nowhere. Absolutely agree. It was Huge gales of wind, hailstorms. We had a short, really sharp spell of hail and wind, and we scored. Well, it was yeah, we were losing one nil. The weather turned. The ball would not come out of their penalty area, um, and yeah, we just penned them into their half and into their box. Scored twice, and then the weather improved a bit. Angus the Sheepdog oh. says, "I can still see that black cloud coming from the Monera Mountain direction now, from my position at the back of the cop." And in goal for them was a young lad on loan from Nottingham Forest, Andy Marriott, before he came to us. And I remember very clearly Marriott trying to throw the ball out and the ball would just hang about 20 yards out. He couldn't throw it out. They were just completely pushed back into their box until we scored two goals and then the weather seemed to clear up a bit. It was amazing, that game. Wow. Really amazing. Um, That's one you've talked about a lot when we've had conversations about our favourite games. (laughs) 
Chris also gives us the oh, it's a proper obscure one. Um, Welsh Cup fifth round, 9th of February, 1988, at home to Ton Pentra. <laughs> Wind, uh, look, the way he paints the pictures is beautiful. Wind, hail, snow. Crowd of about 600. Wrexham wore the green away kit, short sleeves, and they all looked freezing apart from Joey. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, and there's more to come. There's more to come. Um, again, Kizza saying that he'd, he'd forgotten that when he said somebody had to hold the ball still for free kicks and corners to be taken. Otherwise, the wind blew the ball away. Kelvin Davis. Oh, uh, yeah. Bradford City, December 1967. Snowing and my car skidded on the hill in Saltney and went into a smashed car on a tow truck. Insurance tried to claim damage on already damaged car. Continued on train, which was like a cattle carriage, a long and comfortable journey, lost 7-1. Oh. <laughs> That's my, my favourite paragraph I've ever read. Oh, Sean Parry also said Macclesfield away. And Sean Thomas, I beg your pardon. Um, and finally, Matthew Wynn-Williams, crew away in the frost, a Gary Bennett winner, 1992 Boxing Day, I think if I remember, or the called-off Fog West Ham away game. Yeah, that, that, uh, that crew game, I remember being in the away end, it was a wonderful assist, but Barry Jones just like smashed it from right back the length of the pitch, and Bennett ran onto it and volleyed it home, but that was, that was, a, that was a cold day, absolutely. Any others come in mind for you, Jay? I can't really think off the top of my head. As I said, the, the Maxfield game where it was extremely hot that day, which is rare football in this country, yeah. isn't it? And there was the Boston game where it was extremely hot as well. But would you say extreme heat affects a player more than extreme coldness? It would be a tough... How extreme, I suppose, is the, the facile answer, isn't it? You know, I mean, well, weather slows you down, doesn't it? But if you, if you get so cold, you can't properly function. You've got a problem. There's a famous game from the late 70s at Sunderland, uh, Roker Park, their old ground, which was famously cold. And I remember talking to David Giles, who was a Wales midfielder who played for us. He was like Mickey Thomas's replacement, saying how he couldn't feel his feet. And it was just, and he was saying it was the coldest he'd ever experienced. And a lot of players have talked about that as a sort of iconic. We drew one all at Sunderland, but it was just freezing solid. What, what's Welsh, your one then? Uh, Welsh Cup tie against Colwyn Bay. We'd just beaten Arsenal. We got Colwyn Bay in the Welsh Cup. Uh, they came with a good reputation, played us off the pitch. They're beating us 3-1. And then Fog comes from behind a Rex Ren stand like somebody was there with a smoke machine. It was out of the blue and humble and just came billowing. It was amazing. Just had a... a Ref had to abandon the game. It was just, you just couldn't, within the space of about two minutes, it went from beautiful, clear nights to can't see a thing. And we were so bad in that game. You thought, well, yeah. Two years later, God's still a Wrexham fan. He saved us from that. So when we rearranged the game, they beat us 2 0. <laughs> exactly the same match. Deserved then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Couldn't argue with that. Fair play. <laughs> but yeah, uh, hopefully. No more extreme weather coming this Saturday. Um, hopefully we have a nice, maybe a little bit of rain. I don't mind when it's raining a little bit. Or, you know, just, just normal footballing weather would be good, wouldn't it? Absolutely. So after this, 
we're going to speak. We're going to finish the show and talk a bit about Wrexham. I'm Harry Lennon, and this is Dragon Heart. There's been the announcement of the season ticket renewals, um, which will be, which I think will be popular again. Um, I think they'll be flying out. Brilliant that the prices are frozen. Appropriate after the last section we were talking, isn't it? But the prices are frozen regardless of what league we're in, which is absolutely brilliant. I mean, that's that's an excellent gesture by the club. Let's hope it's a football league bargain. Well, let's hope it is a football league bargain because there's going to be some really big games in that if we get promoted. Uh, But yeah, that's fantastic. The club has been thinking about the fans a lot. So, yeah, um, we've got a big game on Saturday against Aldershot where we hope to continue our momentum. If you are attending the game, safe travels. Hopefully the weather's good. But if you're not, uh, look up Match Centre on Twitter, official Wrexham AFC. Uh, there'll be commentary on Wrexham Player too. Uh, and there'll be updates via Twitter. So follow the Wrexham AFC Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, and the Dragon Heart Instagram, Twitter, all of that great stuff. So, Hot yeah. take podcast on the final whistle. Hot Detailed take podcast. podcast after. And of course, Dragon Heart again next week. So, yeah, enjoy all this lovely content we're creating here. So, thanks very much. Really enjoyed speaking to them, doing this on Mark. Some podcasts are harder than others to do, but this one was a very easy one to do. I behave myself. <laughs> well, let's hope we're breaking down. Another Wrexham win next week. So this has been Dragon Art. I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragon Hearts.